0: Hello, I'm Paul Tyler, and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books, and TV shows in their entirety. This week, we're watching the 1988 Tom Hanks fantasy comedy, Big. And just another final warning, we will be talking about the whole of the plot. We will ruin it for you. So if you've not already seen Big, go away, watch it now, then come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right. On with the show. The Tom Hanks is never far away from any discerning moviegoers' thoughts. I don't recall anyone ever saying they hated him. And if you have, then keep it to yourself in the future. I don't want to hear it. Movie stars carry films and get those bums on seats. Hanks is one of the biggest, and the spoiler team knew we had to examine some of his work. So, what did we go for? One of the classics? Philadelphia? Castaway? The Green Mile? Saving Private Ryan? Would we examine his voice artistry in the Polar Express or cry our way through the Toy Story franchise? Would we revel in his ability to take on real-life characters and find themselves in exceptional circumstances, such as Captain Phillips or the hero of the Hudson, Sully? Nope. We've gone for the 80s flick in which Hanks plays the 13-year-old boy that gets an adult body after making a wish on an unplugged fairground machine. Have we really gone for this? Have you not seen Bridge of Spies? Apollo 13? No? Come on!
1: See that girl over there in the red? Say hi to her and she's
2: yours. She'll have her legs around you so tight you'll be begging for mercy. Well, I'll stay away from her then.
0: Of course, Big is much more than a throwaway screwball comedy with a scene in it that's very questionable. People love this film. A scroll through IMDB reviews sees those people waffling on about their inner child and falling head over heels with Hanks as they talk of his magic and charm, as well as that obviously questionable scene. I mean, I like you, and uh, I
1: want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over?
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top.
0: Professional reviewers The New York Times also acknowledge the younger members of the cast, stating that Big features believable young teenage mannerisms from the two real boys in its cast, and this only makes Mr. Hanks's funny, flawless impression that much more adorable.
1: So what did it make you do for all this? Well, I play with all this stuff, and then I go in and I tell them what I think.
2: That's it?
1: Yeah.
2: And they pay you for that? Yeah. Suckers!
0: As a fear putting together a program like ours that it can become a love-in if we all like the subject but will big be a hit with the spoiler team are there too many uneasy questions around putting a teenage boy in an adult's body and placing him in a relationship or should we have chosen another hanks classic like bachelor party
2: well what's fun about that
0: Later in the show, we'll be taking a look at some movie bad guys who perhaps weren't really so bad after all. But first, joining me here to talk about Big are two people that have had their wishes granted just by being here in the studio with someone that shares the same birthday as Tom Hanks. Yes, that's <laughs> right. All the best people are born on July the 9th. So here is Andy Golding and Rachel Burnett. Hello. Hello. Rachel, is it a given that you like Tom Hanks?
3: I think it is, isn't it? Really? Okay,
0: right, that's it. Uh, thanks for joining us here a Spoiler. <laughs> We know, we know his way this is going. Um, yeah, Hanksy. Love him. Yes.
3: Just love him. I, I don't know. He's just always been there. He's had part of my childhood, part of my adolescence, part of growing up. And now he's like just the best thing ever. I just love him to bits. He's ace.
0: Okay, so Andy, uh, to make a, a, a sustainable programme here, you're going to have to come back with something that's <laughs> obviously, you know, one of these people, one of these... Idiotic people that hate him. Come on, let me hear
2: it. Um, well, I've got, I've just got a note about Toms to begin with. <laughs> uh, uh, recently, there's two other THs, Tom Hardy and Tom Hiddleston, who provoked enormous devotion, uh, and, and rightly so as well. But there's a disturbing trend has emerged of people just referring to them both by the first names and going, oh, you must see this, it's got Tom in it. Oh, go and see this film, Tom's great in it. Now, if someone says that to me and I go on that recommendation and watch that film, <laughs> and it's not Tom Hanks, <laughs> not only will I be severely disappointed, I'll actively be furious at that person. I will probably never speak to them again. <gasps> well, this, um, must, this must have happened with <laughs> Rachel then, isn't it? I, mean, you're oh, undying... no.
3: I always refer to him as Mr Hiddleston.
2: Oh, right,
0: okay. okay. That's true, <laughs> okay. yeah.
2: <laughs> point taken, I retract the point. I mean, those are the Toms, they show a lot of promise. They might reach similar heights to Tom Hanks, but as long as Tom Hanks is alive and well and making movies... No one else gets to be called just Tom.
3: I concur.
0: (laughs) So what's your relationship, Andy, with Big? When did it start?
2: It started when I was a kid, actually. I saw this this film when I was a kid. And I think that is the best time to see it, really. Because seeing it from an adult point of view, obviously there's a lot of elements to it which are quite questionable. But if you see it from a child's point of view, those things don't come into your your mind. I mean, as a kid of, uh, of that age... I would have uh, been attracted to Elizabeth Perkins, and I wouldn't have. Uh, well, I, I say I would have. I was, and, uh, and I, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have thought anything of that. But but watching it now, yeah, I know we'll, we'll probably get to this in, in detail a bit later. That is a little bit a little bit disturbing. But I think it's meant to be a family film, and it's meant to bring that that child's point of view into it, isn't it? And I think seeing it, it, it I felt kind of respected. As a child watching it, they they explored everything. They didn't try and kind of coyly avoid any elements of what, would happen if you were suddenly in an adult body?
0: Well, I, I suppose it's like now when we look back on BBC Four on the weekend and they're showing all those Top of the Popses, and you think about the overt sexuality that's in most of the songs of the 1980s. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, people talk about it, and what's happening now in the charts. Actually, no, it was always going on. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. Sure, yeah. You know, if you swap the word love for something else, then it's all there. It's all there to be read, but you don't know that as a kid. And there's, the, and I think you're right. This this film at that point got most of it right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to say and you're right yeah yeah we're going to, we, we, we're going to come to that uh, very soon but uh, Rachel when was the first time you saw this
3: again same as Andy I was, I was a child and um, yeah watching it as 12, 13 totally different experience to watching it as a 40 year old woman really really different I love Big I have a lot of affection for it I question a lot of it now but that affection remains because it's your childhood, and I thought Tom Hanks was lovely, and I thought he was so fantastic, and that's remained. And I also thought the kids were really nice, like me and my me and my friends at school. We used to do the shimmy shimmy cocoa Pop thing.
2: Oh, can you still do <laughs> it? Oh yeah,
3: totally can. Can you still do I, it? Because yeah. I
2: can as well, and I was going to throw down the
3: dirt. <laughs> I saw my friend Eve, <laughs> Eve, if you're listening, because I know we see each other every now and then. We can still do this, and we did it, and it's it's one of those things as a kid that's the sort of thing that sticks in your head. And yes. It's important to you as a child. Well, that, that's, you know, that's, that's how you trust each other, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and that's really important in that scene where mm. he proves it to yeah. Bill, it proves who he is. Because yeah. when you're a kid, you put so much stock in those kind of secret code words, don't you? And Absolutely. even though that's already flimsy proof, yeah. uh, you would think as a kid, there's no way anyone else could know this because only, we're the only two people in the world who know it.
0: Well, I don't think I'd be much of a, of a host having heard what I just heard. Uh, without so- thinking, someone's got to do the shimmy, shimmy. <laughs> I mean, it,
2: it's almost like right right you were, you were, we you were kind of begging yeah. to do it. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> The space goes down, down, baby, down, down the roller coaster. Sweet, sweet, baby, sweet, sweet, don't let me go. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy rock. Shimmy, shimmy, cocoa pop, shimmy, shimmy rock. I met a girlfriend, a Triscuit. She said a Triscuit, a biscuit. Ice cream soda, put vanilla on the top. Ooh, Shalita, walking down the street 10 times a week. I'm headed, I said it, I stole my mum's credit. I'm cool, I'm hard. Suck you in the stomach three more times. <laughs>
3: I had to do the actions as well. The
0: sound of, uh, the sound of one man clapping. I, I don't think that you appreciate that.
3: I'm
0: sure everyone else was was clapping at that. They're either clapping at it or wondering...
3: What? Yeah.
0: How, how, you, spend, how you spend your time, perhaps. I, I don't know. Because, and I say it's because, I think I was 41 when I first saw this film, which oh. means it was a few days ago. Ah. And I think I had this. I think I had this confused with vice versa, uh, because yeah. I definitely, I definitely saw that as a kid. I think if I'd have seen this as a kid, it would have stuck with me. I more than likely would have been able to join in with what's just <laughs> occurred in front of me. So I, it's funny because just lately, you, you know, how I get sometimes before we re, we record these things, and I I put off, I really really put off watching something. And I, I always I always know I've got to do it, and I always watch it. Apart from that, what was that time that bad book I didn't read because it upset me? Room. Room. That was it. Um, but every, Everything else, everything else, I always make sure i watch and, You know, so I've I've got to be here and throw the questions at you and stick my own two p in and all that kind of thing. But I just I, it's funny because I've, I have been going back to the 80s just lately. I've been watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, I've been watching uh, Uncle Book mm. and just, you know, loving it and really, really getting there. And I, at the back of my mind, this is on the same TV service service we use, and it says, You'll probably like this, you'll probably like this. And I think, Well, I know I've got to do it, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know, there, there's something else to put on, you know, top of the pops, obviously. <laughs> and. Uh, But I really, really enjoyed it. Of course I enjoyed it. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it's just, you know, obviously getting around the questionable things and we'll come to the questionable things soon enough, I'm sure. Tom Hanks, his performance in this is just, I mean, because at first, again, from the outside, before I'd seen it, and I knew this is how I knew I mustn't have seen it, when I heard, I I don't know, it might have been from you, Andy, that he was Oscar nominated for it. I think I heard from you. And I thought, what? Kids film? Come on. You know, Andy was in the 80s before he was really good. But no, actually, he gets it. He really gets it. There's a, there's a scene when, I think he's writing this, uh, it's a, there's a montage scene uh, where he's writing a letter home to his mom and the music going in the background oh, and yeah. stuff like that. And here we go. Here's, whether it was Tom or the director or whatever, there's the placement of his feet on the bed, where he had his feet tangled up in the ironwork of his bunk bed. Um, that was it. That said, right, you've got this. You, you know what you're doing here. You really do. As, as well as his, you know, fantastic you know face <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> okay. uh doing all the things he you know he really should do and spitting out ice cream and things it's just you know it is it's uh <laughs> yeah i, I was because exp- i suppose i i, I kind of knew you two would love this and we always you know, like i said in the introduction we don't want it to be too much of a loving but i mean just popping back as well picking up on the shimmy shimmy cocoa pot i i saw this thing i saw that on youtube the other day so some some guys were were filming him and this clip's gone. I mean, Tom Hanks has still got it. It's when they were uh, they were doing some interviews for Inferno, the Dan Brown films. Yeah. Which I mean, why why weren't we doing any of those films? Why didn't <laughs> we? Hmm. <Yeah>? <laughs> <laughs> oh you know. Then I think we, you know. Anyway, moving swiftly on. And anyway, they had Ron, they had Ron Howard there. Now I like the shimmy shimmy cocoa pop thing. You know, I, mean, I enjoyed what you've just done there. But they had Ron Howard there. Why didn't they sing the theme tune to Happy Days? Come <laughs> on. Oh, <man.
3: laughs> Oh dear! No, because it's almost the shimmy shimmy cocoa Pop. Though it's like a little secret code. Still, not everybody can do it. No,
2: everybody Tom knows Hanks Happy can Days, right? It, apparently, yeah, he
3: can. He does it very well. Ooh. He does the movements as well, and the gestures and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it was his son that taught him it. It was Colin Hanks. Oh, was that? Um, yeah, apparently he went to summer camp and um, came back with not the whole thing fleshed out. It was Tom that wrote. Most of, I say lyrics, that's a bit of a strange word for them. But um, yeah, it was him and his son that put it together, which I think is probably one of the reasons he's going to remember it forever.
0: Now, you see, if I had my, uh, if I'm I, just a genius, like a bolt of lightning's come out of the room, you um, know, in the early days, a spoiler, when I used to do remixes, oh, you know, remix, <laughs> re, right, make a note here. <laughs> remix, shimmy, <laughs> shimmy.
1: Cocoa, Cocoa pop. pop.
0: Cocoa <laughs> Right, okay. Um, So talking to music, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. We're not going to save the soundtrack until the very last minute here. Okay. Um, And we also want to talk about, definitely, without a doubt, the keyboard scene. But how about Billy Idol? (laughs) (laughs) How about Billy Idol? He pops up a couple of times in this. And it's funny, he's stuck with me since then. Since then, and I don't, I'm not sure if Hot in the City was, it, was <laughs> even in this one. All day today, because of watching this flipping thing, I've had Hot in the City going in my... It was, was in this film. it twice? It's in oh, when, right. when he pops oh, out. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And,
3: and then she, when she hears it later on in um, Paul's car, That's she right, remembers yeah. and smiles.
0: I mean, it was huge, wasn't he, Billy yeah. Idol, for a very short period of time. But no, <laughs> no one was really, I mean, it just megastar, absolute megastar. Yeah. but. Uh, no, just I don't, don't, don't know any, any no,
2: massive I don't fans. I, I, don't, I don't mind.
0: Wait, no, exactly. If it comes on there, if it comes on the radio, you are sing along to Moaning yeah. Manie, won't you? Of course you are. <laughs> I heard this brilliant story this week and we uh, will always, always steer people towards Adam Buxton's podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, he interviewed May, the comedian, May Martin, and her friend was in rehab with Billy Idol's daughter. I know. And for her birthday, Billy Idol sent her a signed headshot of him. <laughs> The signed headshot. I just, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. so <wow. laughs> This is it. And then, obviously, since then, today, I've just been. I, I heard that earlier this morning. And since then, I've just been on in the city. Just you know, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to work on my Billy Idol impression. It's re- I think it's worth doing. It's really worth doing. And, anyway, and, and, and this Idol chatter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> dumb char. Get out. (laughs) Uh, Right, so, yeah, musically, have you got anything to say about that? Have you got anything to say about the score here, I have got
3: a little bit to say. Two things to point out. One is Howard Shaw, um, who then went on to do the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Wow. So that's a hell of a move on. And also how important the score was, as it always is, um, just to make sure that you're maintaining that feel, because... There was a scene, as you know, um, when she goes to his apartment for the sleepover and there's a moment when they get in the bunk beds. Now, there could be, if you put the wrong music behind that, that's going to get seedy or mm. it's going to feel some,
0: wrong. Some, some kind of saxophone, maybe. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, it's a bit Kenny G. Um, but it it isn't. It's this beautiful theme that runs when he's a child, mm-hmm. this lovely kind of light it reminds you of autumn and going to school and all that kind of thing and he, play, he that's played over that scene when he walks in and she's in the bunk bed at the, and looking kind of alluring and he gives her the lovely compass ring and he, <laughs> that music goes over the top of it and it just makes it all so much more innocent. You're in his head, that music's in his head. Isn't this lovely and isn't that great? Isn't she pretty? He doesn't even think of anything else. He's had a really good time with her and they've been bouncing on the trampoline. And So the music just leads you into it's okay, it's innocent. And I think the music at that point was really crucial. And that plays quite a lot. That theme just comes in and just reminds you, this is a child, this is a child, this is a child. Because nothing. I know his mannerisms are very childish, but you need the music just to pull you back. Mm-hmm. And when he becomes grown up, becomes jazzy. And so the jazz then gets a jazz is a dark kind of sexy sound. So when he get when he gets out of the lift when he's <unraveling> had that night with her, it's jazz. So the music's changed. So the music's really important.
2: It also ties in really nicely with that heart and soul, doesn't it? Because yeah. when I think of big, that's obviously the first bit of music that comes into your head. A
3: yeah, um, yeah. <inaudible> beautiful do, do, do. piano, just nice and simple, nice and simple melodies, nothing complicated. Yeah. Whereas jazz is complex, this piano piece is very very simple. So yeah, very important. Always important mm. score. Yeah. You know that. <laughs>
0: that was, as, that's why I steered the uh, conversation there towards you. I, I think, Andy, do you ever get upset about me asking Rachel about the score?
2: No, no, oh no. I love sitting there and yeah. listening to. Her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're right there.
0: I mean, well, I'll turn to you then and talk about that that keyboard scene. Andy, yeah. You know, we, we just talked about that, and actually, I mean, I th- that is probably one of the elements. I watched this of a morning. And, and I was skipping around all, all afternoon because of that. Because <laughs> that tune again, you know, obviously I'm I, I saying the tunes really get in my head. Yeah, that that one in particular, but also the the delight of it. You know, I mean, yeah. it is it is a scene for all time, isn't
2: it? Yeah, well, it's a very iconic scene. Had you had you seen the scene before? or...?
0: but just on a highlights thing and probably not, probably not with the sound on. <laughs> 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 I don't I don't, you know, I just, I just watched it on, oh, there's that film with someone. Again, because I had this thing in my head where it was, I, I thought it was exactly like vice versa where they'd swapped
2: characters yeah. with someone, yeah.
0: and I find that too, I'm going to say the word plotty and I know there's better words for it, <laughs> too, Contrived. No, I totally go, agree that's with that's you. I totally and agree. I find it so I just kind of that's probably why I've always avoided it. So if I've seen that, I'd probably, you know, I see that set. Oh, I've I'll, I'll make the bruise <laughs> now, shall I? I'll fetch the drinks. <clears> it's <throat> right. That kind of thing, you know, because I've always just sneered at this just because I thought it was like too much light, vice versa. Yeah,
2: well, I think the important thing is that it it focuses on just one child whose body changes, whereas all the other ones are body swap for a while. These body swap films were really in vogue. I mean, the year Big came out, there was two other ones, 18 again, and hmm. uh, vice versa was that year as well. But then there's other ones as well. And generally, they're not very good. But for some reason, I've seen every damn one of them. <laughs> there's like, <laughs> Dream Another Dream, Like Father Like Son, Freaky Friday, both versions. Ooh. I've seen them. <laughs> uh, and they tend to be, it just boils down to stereotypes. So it's you just see businessmen on skateboards and... Little boys acting like managing directors, and it just becomes these really sort of soulless skits. Whereas Big really gets to the the kind of the meat of a, a young boy and the, his aspirations to be older, but how he would deal with that. And so you get this emotional depth. And in the uh, in the dance on the keyboard scene, it's really sweet because he dances with uh, Robert Loggia. Uh, obviously, Tom Hanks is the the little boy in the grown man's body but he brings out the little boy from the older man doesn't he Mm. so it's almost like that is the moment when it's almost a body swap
3: yeah Yeah. it it does totally it just brings him to life and he's hopping and skipping about on it
2: I also love that they they seem to be doing it for real because mm. they hit a few wrong notes, they don't are they? Doing they it for they real. wobble over onto the... Yeah. So it's not just like they've dubbed it over to make it perfect. You get these little mistakes yeah. and it makes it all the better. It's like seeing someone do their own stunts. Yeah. Seeing it for real is what makes it such a brilliant scene. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah I, was, I mean, I, I was definitely going to pick up on that point. Just that I don't... If that was made today...
0: I don't think they would have done that. That no. would have been done until it was perfect, perfect. But actually, no, that's it, because that's what would it be like if a 12, 13-year-old kid was dancing about on the piano there. He'd yeah. hit the odd bum note, but they kept it in. But also, I mean, I, I read up on that that um, they, they, they both noticed that they had doubles dressed as them just in case they couldn't do it. So they made it their own little mission to make sure they could <laughs> do it. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the kind of thing you like to see, isn't it? Now, Paul Davenport, played by John Hurd, is cast very much as the bad guy in Big. But was he really so bad? Andy thinks not, and he's been taking a look at this and some other movie bad guys who he thinks get a
2: bad rap. In the film Big, when the newly adult Josh Baskin arrives at the Macmillan Toy Company and lands himself a job as a data entry clerk, nothing seems too untoward about the arrangement. Sure, he has lied about his educational history and used his friend's locker combination as a fake social security number, but he knows enough about primitive 1980s computers to do his job competently. But after he bumps into his boss, Mr. McMillan, in a toy store one afternoon, and the pair of them dance together on a giant piano, Josh is suddenly dramatically promoted to vice president in charge of production, much to the annoyance of his colleague Paul Davenport.
1: Vice president? He's only been here a week. Vice president? And he came from data processing. Did you know he gave him Bob's old office. Bob's. Bob's office bigger than my office.
2: Now, Paul is a jerk, so there's no doubt about that. He's rude, obnoxious and generally ill-tempered, his professional competitiveness is portrayed as vulgar and his obsession with his work disproportionate. But none of this is to say that he's not hard-working or good at his job and, having worked for numerous institutions and its shameless nepotism was rife, I can't help but sympathise a lot with Paul when I watch Big these days. If I was working at Macmillan Toys, I'd certainly be wondering exactly whose nephews Josh Baskin really was.
1: What is so special about Baskin?
2: It might seem easy to manipulate an audience into rooting for one character and against another through the use of a few throwaway lines or underdeveloped character traits. But less shallow spectators are apt to recognise that being an unpleasant person does not always mean you're in the wrong in every situation. Here are my top five examples of bad guys who might not be quite as bad as you remember. At number one, we have Bugs Bunny's permanently befuddled gone. adversary, Elmer Fudd. Unlike oh, the, the day fiery-tempered day Yosemite Sam, Elmer I Fudd was portrayed day. as a good-natured, softly-spoken I dupe. But that dupe no happened to have a gun day. in his hand, and for many of us, even the most resolutely carnivorous... Few things are more repugnant than someone who hunts for what they call sport.
1: Come out, Mr. Rabbit. I have a winter surprise for you.
2: But Elmer wasn't always this way, and indeed, in several of his earlier films, he was a nature lover. In Elmer's Candid Camera, for instance, he attempts to shoot animals not with a rifle, but with a box brownie camera. While in Elmer's Pet Rabbit, he offers a home to bugs, only to find himself heartlessly driven out of his own bed.
1: What's this? My what? My dinner? What do you think I am, a rabbit?
2: These early Bugs Bunny cartoons start a prototype of the character, who was far from the lovable and generally righteous rabbit audiences came to adore. A more suitable name for this disturbing creation might have been Bugs Bully.
1: Gosh, ain't I a stinker?
2: For he torments Elmer with no provocation beyond his own entertainment. His mean-spirited behaviour, evident in further cartoons such as The Wacky Wabbit and the wickedly funny classic Wabbit Twobble, did not sit terribly well with audiences, however, and ultimately, it became a recurring characteristic of Bugs that he only terrorised those who threw the first punch. Ergo, Elmer found himself perpetually cast as the hunter in future cartoons, the looming barrel of his shotgun providing plenty of justification for Bugs to unleash hell and audience to lap it up guilt-free. Kill the Wabbit! Kill the Wabbit! Kill the Wabbit! Kill the Wabbit! But spare a thought for poor old Elmer, whose bloodlust came about by necessity rather than as a product of his own incongruously sweet nature. That's the worst war. I'll get that (coughs) wabbit. At number two, if there's something strange in your neighbourhood, it probably has something to do with that unlicensed nuclear reactor being run out of the basement of those three recently fired parapsychologists.
1: I'm Walter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency, the 3rd District. Great, how's it going down
2: there? Enter Walter Peck to investigate on what pretext these so-called ghostbusters are putting the inhabitants of downtown New York at serious risk.
1: For instance, the presence of noxious, possibly hazardous waste chemicals in your basement. Now you either show me what is down there, or I come back with a court
2: order.
0: You go get a court order, and I'll sue your ass for wrongful prosecution.
1: You can have it your way, Mr. Beckman.
2: Like Paul Davenport, Peck is a sleaze bag, smarmy and condescending. But then it's apparent from his opening scene in the film that Pete Bankman is a sadistic, womanizing bully. He just carries it off with more panache. The real reason the audience hates Peck is that he's standing in the way of the plot. We paid to see the Ghostbusters bust ghosts, and now he wants to impose safety regulations on our good time. Disgraceful!
1: Shut this off! Shut these all off! I'm warning you. Turning off these machines would be extremely hazardous.
2: Ultimately. Peck proves himself to be deeply unprofessional when he vengefully shuts down the reactor without following proper procedure, but by this point that's academic. Most of the audience has already taken against him for having the audacity not to be played by Bill Murray. Ultimately, Peck's aim is to stop a bunch of crackpots causing a potentially lethal meltdown. He can hardly be held responsible for the fact that this one time the crackpots are right. number three, stepping away from the world of film and into the arena of popular music, we have Hissing Sid from Keith Michelle's hit single Captain Beaky. Originally the lead track of the 1977 children's album Captain Beaky and His Band, a wonderful staple of my childhood, do get yourself a copy immediately. Captain Beaky tells the story of a courageous band of animals who protect the woodland folk from the evil snake Hissing Sid. But was Hissing Sid really that bad? When DJ Noel Edmonds began playing the song on Radio 1, he received a letter from an atomic scientist on succumbent with the British Museum, proclaiming, Hissing Sid is innocent, okay. The scientists had a point. In the song, it seems to be the woodland folk's own prejudices about snakes that keep them awake rather than any solid evidence of Sid's past misdeeds. And when Sid is finally and quite inadvertently caught by timid Toad, Toad admits that he himself hopped inside the dormant serpent. Following the scientists' interjection, the phrase Hissing Sid is innocent became a popular slogan, appearing on badges, car stickers, and even as graffiti. As a result, this charming little novelty record was propelled into the UK top 5 and remained a classic curio. As well as a passionate plea against reptilian prejudice. At number four, still in the music world, we have Eddie Cochran's parents in "Summertime Blues." I'm a gonna
1: raise a purse, I'm a gonna
2: The 1950s saw the birth of the term teenager, and with it a wave of moral panic, the youth was running wild, egged on by the popularity of rock and roll and the hypnotic influence of Elvis Presley's obscene televised gyrations. This rejection of old-fashioned values forcibly imposed on the young was, in many ways, a good thing, and the music itself was terrific, but sometimes the depiction of adults in the song betrayed a brattish sense of entitlement rather than a progressive demand for equality.
1: Take out the- Papers and the, trash.
2: the Coaster's Yakety Yak, for instance, features a list of reasonable chores that parents expect their kids to help with in exchange for pocket money and later curfews, and yet they are met only by the titular mocking response.
1: Don't that.
2: Likewise, in Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues, Eddie blames the trials and tribulations of getting through school summer holidays on a series of adults in his life. His inability to get a date with his girlfriend is attributed to his boss's habit of springing late shifts on him with no prior notice.
1: No son. You gotta work lead.
2: And in this case, Eddie has reason to be angry. Likewise, his attempts to take his problems to the United Nations in the final verse met with a response that betrays a cynical political opportunism on the part of his my congressman.
0: he said,
1: quote, like I'd to help you, son but you're too young to vote.
2: But what about his parents? In the second verse, they offer him a fair deal. He can borrow the car at the weekend, as long as he earns some money in the meantime. Instead, Eddie pulls a sickie, and he's then surprised and outraged when his parents deny him his vehicular privileges.
1: Oh well I at
2: this point in the song, I lose all do, sympathy with Cochran. Eddie, no for Cochrane. Eddie, I know you wrote some of the best songs of the rock and roll era, but cut your parents some slack, no man. <laughs> At
1: number
2: five, the most infuriating of all, we have the hyenas from Disney's The Lion King. This one really makes me sick. It isn't as if King of Beasts Mufasa's explanation of the circle of life isn't weak enough already. He tells his son Simba that he must respect all creatures and explains that...
1: When we die, our bodies become the grass
2: and the antelope eat the grass.
1: And so we are all connected in the great circle
2: of life. A mantra which conveniently ignores the fact that when you're already dead, you don't have nerve endings to contend with when someone takes a big mouthful out of you. And then there are the hyenas. Hyenas! In the Pride Lands! Literally seconds after Mufasa has passed on his skewed wisdom on the circle of life, Zazu arrives to frantically inform him that there are hyenas in the Pride Lands. You see, hyenas aren't allowed in the Pride Lands. They have to live in a barren, shadowy, elephant graveyard instead, because, uh, you know, uh, hyenas? Circle of life? Grass? Don't ask any more questions. It's clear to me that the hyenas and the Lion King are a startlingly oppressed underclass, not only ignored, but actively kept down by a prejudicial state. It's bound to happen in a society that fetishises privilege and operates under such an outdated institution as a monarchy. Thank God this is only the movies, eh?
0: Great stuff. Thanks for that, Andy. And uh, might, we, might in, in this case, might we also talk about uh, Khan in Star Trek? The wrath of Khan, <laughs> because Kirk, Kirk did something nasty to him in the first place, which is why he went then went after him. But then I don't know if that's because I mean he was a bad guy, wasn't mm. he, Khan? So I don't know if that's just him manipulating me somehow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Very clever these characters. Well, to watch them.
2: Just off the back of that as well, could we just say a quick word about John Hurd? because he died recently, didn't yes, he? Which yeah. is really sad. And I, I think he's he's one of those actors who. He, he pops up occasionally and you're really, mm. yeah, really happy to see him, aren't you? Yeah, he was absolutely. The, like, oh, he's the dad in Home Alone, wasn't he? Yeah,
3: that's who he is to me.
2: He always. was very rarely the lead, but he was in a few films. There's a lovely little film called Chilly Scenes of Winter, which is quite hard to track down. But look that up. He's the lead in that and he's well worth seeing because I think he's brilliant. Oh,
3: lovely.
2: I think he's. Uh, you're right there, you're rarely the lead. That's the kind of film
0: star I'm going to be <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when it happens. Uh, just you know, because you don't want to be a no. name, name on the. You carry too much weight. You carry too much weight. Just, just wait in for the so scripts fought,
2: fought to come through. Thought off with
3: warm affection. That's what you want, rather than obsession. Yeah. warm affection.
2: Yeah, but that's how we all feel about Tom Hanks, and that's these very days. true. It he's not he? He's, he's just, just a bit rare. special. He is, yeah. He's very
3: special. Very <laughs> rare.
0: And so, thinking about that, we we always like to discuss other actors who else could have played this role, and that we always see suggestions online, and uh, it's always good to play about with them. um De-, De Niro's name oh, No, De Niro's name oh, I know Not
3: just comes up He was he was actually like Really going to be doing it He did scenes with The young boy Who played Josh Baskin He did scenes with him This wasn't just Pie in the sky oh, Who well, you might yeah, have a go at it Could it
2: have been brilliant? I don't know no. I think De Niro is, is such a brilliant actor But I think He was He would have been Yeah Yeah, yeah that's true You <laughs> <laughs> might surprise us yet, yeah. But But uh, I think he would have been too studied. Yeah. He would have he would have done what Tom Hanks did, which was to study the way children behave. But I think you would have seen that <laughs> in his performance. Whereas with Tom Hanks, it's just natural. Yeah. You believe that there's a kid in that adult body, don't you? Yeah. And uh, I think with De Niro, you would you would have seen the workings.
3: Yeah, I think that's very true. There's a playfulness about Tom Hanks, mm. and Robert De Niro can be very funny, but he's not playful. Mm. I've never seen him as playful. I mean. You know, do correct me if I'm wrong if there's a role I'm not thinking of but I've never thought of as playful
0: it's Dirty Grandpa <laughs>
2: dirty that's dirty not playful grandpa. it's
3: pie that's
0: shameful <laughs> I, I haven't seen it I, I'm not going to either but uh, John Travolta was there uh, in, 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 the, in the list Dennis Quaid Harrison Ford.
3: Yeah,
0: that's a weird one. Now, I have, a, I have a bit of a current problem with Harrison Ford. A current problem? A current problem, yeah. It's something I've, I've only just realised, and I think a lot of people would will, will do this. Harrison Ford is, without doubt, a megastar, a movie star. Yeah. And his screen presence, and it'll attract me to it. I'm not really sure he's much of an
2: actor. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's probably a good point. He has only been Oscar nominated once for Witness.
3: Course, yeah. Witness, I was going to say there uh, was a film called Regarding Henry, which stretched him a little bit more. Mm. Um, I don't think he's been stretched. I don't know if he is capable because he's never really been offered. Yeah, I mean, enough. I really
0: enjoyed that when the fugitive came out. I loved that film, um, yeah. but again, I don't. It wasn't certainly wasn't stretched in that. Well, no. probably quite physically he was by Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. But we're going to search every house. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't
3: yeah, start, yeah, Rachel. A, off, yeah, she'll yeah. now I get on my Oscar rant again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and. Uh, I know. I know. We're going off on a tangent. We should be talking about big, but I've just seen Blade Runner and it's
2: rotten.
1: <laughs> oh it's, no! It's rotten. Oh no!
2: I know. Rachel loves it. To be honest, I've seen it once and it didn't make much of an impact. So, I mean, maybe we, maybe we should do it. It's it's another <laughs> no, no.
3: It's, it's another when when you see it film. I think
2: maybe yeah.
0: But which version? People waffle with? on about versions. You need to see this version. Director's that version. cut. Yeah. It's, but why why
2: don't yeah. they just delete the rest of them and leave that one? I know. It, I know. Also, it on.
3: just frustrate me.
2: Is it fair to to call it? a... Call it a great film if it took that many runs to get it right. Exactly, it's <laughs> wrong. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I do apologise. We have uh, diverted uh,
2: so, somewhat
0: there um, from uh, from big. So now looking back at big, and we are we have been suggesting it right from the intro here that there is, I mean, for me only really one scene that is very questionable now. And like you said earlier on, we're looking at it with adult eyes. But I I was surprised at how physical this is a pg this film isn't it yes so this in my mind this if they released this today it would probably be a 12 they would be aiming for a 12 I would the
2: think. version i've got is think? a 12 I've but seen... the version i've got and this is something that i never never had before uh, i've never seen it before you know the the scene where billy comes to see him and he says i'm a a couple of months older three than months you. Three months older than you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when I was young, there was, there was two versions of that. There was a TV version where he just said, I'm three months older than you anyway, I think he said. And then there's one where he, he calls him an a-hole. <laughs> but in in the version that I've got, he says the F word as well, Ooh. which bumped it. which in those days would have bumped up to a 15, but I've never seen that version. It's on the new new edition which oddly enough is called like the the family fun pack or something yeah. uh but it it seems out of place it shouldn't mm. i don't think it should be there it bumps it stops it being that family film and it stops that audience mm. who will who will most enjoy it without all these questions that we're about to discuss yeah. from seeing it because it it yeah. bumps up the uh the rating yeah,
3: it seems an odd choice of word really
2: but sorry, that's not where we were going. <laughs> no, but yeah.
3: yeah, it's not.
0: It's not. But I, th- I also read up on this, and a few, some people were saying this is one of the few films that had the dropped the f bomb in there. Uh, but I didn't. You know, again, the, the, the version I saw didn't didn't see that. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear that. And I have my ears are attuned. I think certainly since I've become a parent, mm-hmm. and I give people scowling looks when they swear, <laughs> unless it's me.
3: No, um, I do that and for, I haven't got kids. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, language? And,
0: and beg your pardon.
2: Um so yeah, I'm I'm completely attuned to it. I'm looking and, forward to next episode when we discuss Quentin and Tarantino.
0: Now I think we're all skipping around this scene because none of us know how to talk about the fact <clears throat> that a 13-year-old boy we've met magically unless they actually we, to put it in its right context, magically changed. This is we're talking magical, aren't we? Yeah, we, yeah. it is magic. We talked magic yeah. on the programme before. And then the thirteen-year-old boy. I'm going to say. I'm going to use this word: gropes. <laughs> <Well, laughs> now, actually, grope is. Grope is. Too. Grope would suggest that yeah. it was unwanted, and also um,
2: sort of lascivious. It's, talented, yeah, it's not like that, isn't but it? But here it's... we go.
0: Here we go. When you said Rachel about the the sleepover scene and how perfect it was before, could this same suggestion have been in there without hand-on-bra action? Let's put it that way.
3: I think it harks back to the very first scene where Billy and Josh are having a talk about they can see down somebody's like the teacher's top and they mm, can see yeah. her bra that's the level they're at, so he had to see her her real bra it's a real bra, oh my god, and it's that's where it, that's how it in my head when I'm watching that scene as uncomfortable as I feel it's wonderment it's not so much horny teenager as wonderment of oh my God. I can reach out and touch that. That's really, oh my God. That's hence the light. Don't turn that off.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, oh yeah, I see. Yeah,
3: um, And it's wonderment. Is he so win- it's less, as you said, you were. The, you used the word lascivious. Yeah. And I, it's not that. It's it's wonderment, which also makes me feel a bit odd. But with
2: where the story goes, you can't really skate around it, can you? Because no. it's mm-hmm. it, it's all about him starting to grow up too quickly. Yeah. And so you you can't push that, sacrament away
3: no it's it's gonna happen I think it was done as well as it could be done as you say you couldn't avoid it you know she's in a relationship with him she's gonna be questioning you know and he's you know 13 year old boy he's gonna he's got you know a willing female who he really likes let's not get you know mm. he does have a lot of affection as close as he can get to love possibly at 13 with this woman you know he trusts her and she's good to him and it, she's kind and And so it isn't something that nobody's taken advantage of. She doesn't know. So um, I think that is the best way, the way they did it. Um, Because by by doing this story, that had to happen. It was inevitable.
2: What actually troubles me more now is not that he's 13. It's that she doesn't know. Yeah. And so she is really taken advantage of more. Yeah. Because she, she is having sex with someone who she thinks is an adult. And then ultimately finds out isn't she's mm-hmm. she's the deceived party. Mm, that's
0: true. I mean, I, th- I thought when he went and put the light back on, I thought right, this, this is going to stop now. Mm. I thought he was going to say, right, no, 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 this is not, you know. But I thought, well, no, that's no thirteen-year-old boy you've ever met, is mm-hmm. it? No, no, exactly. They you know.
2: And then it cuts to him high-fiving, mm-hmm. yeah, high-fiving the black guy because yeah. this is an eighties film. Yeah, so. that's inevitable too. <laughs> <laughs> and so and he
3: yeah. wants he wants black coffee as well. You know, he thinks he's grown up now because that's Mm. what you do to become a grown up. Yeah. It's very sad as well. I always feel for her a Mm. lot in this. And what was interesting, something that really made me stop and think and also about gender equality and stuff was Deborah Winger said something about maybe it should be a girl and and a boy that's grown up. Now, you imagine if that's a 13 year old girl.
1: Mm. Mm. Now,
3: how does that make you feel? And it's, it's really weird how because I was really thinking about that and I thought, you know what? I can't actually get my head around that. But that does make you stop and think, oh, hang on, how come it's... In my head, it's slightly more acceptable because it's a 13-year-old boy. It's not really. no But it's, it's really bizarre. That's why it's so questionable. That's why when you watch it as an adult and you see that, my protective instincts kick in, my instincts towards her kicks in as well because, as you say, she's being deceived. And much as it's inevitable as part of the film, there's a bit of me that thinks... Can we like, not go there? Mm. But you kind of have mm. to. Yeah, it's a real conundrum.
2: So does it make it a better film than they did?
3: It's a braver film because they did. Yeah. Yeah, because they could have just avoided it and just not done that at all. But I think it's clever that they made us question it. it gives it a bit of depth, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: I think they did. They had to show you how high the stakes were as well. You know, when she runs after him and pleads for him not to, not to turn back into, well, as she finds out he's a child, you know, she's fallen in love with this guy. This is a proper mm. relationship for her. This isn't. She doesn't know until the very, fact, even at the very last minute. I think she probably thinks he's probably a bit nuts or something. Mm. So, you know, of course, you don't think for a minute that that's the truth of the situation. And oh, the heartbreak! But it, the stakes have to be high, and mm. it shows you that they are.
2: Given who she is, as well, it, it probably we've got this whole list of her ex-lovers, haven't we? Mm. It would it wouldn't be realistic to suggest that that relationship continued without getting to that level. Yeah, exactly. It's funny as well when she lists her. Uh, when she lists her past lovers, the the one who is the worst one has my name. <laughs> did you notice that?
3: <laughs> I didn't I can't notice. believe you,
2: but of Golding. Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh,
0: well, but did you, I mean did, talking of uh, Susan? Did you did you believe her her transition from harsh businesswoman into uh, sweetheart next door?
2: That's difficult because that scene where she goes back to his apartment, you'd think, would you find that charming? When he comes out in his, like, robot pyjamas and everything. <laughs> uh,
3: I don't know. I I see her as somebody who is playing a part anyway. <laughs> I see the grown-ups in this as being children that are just pretending to be grown-ups anyway. You mm. know, all this business of... Right when um, when Paul finds out that Josh has got this big office, ah, oh, his Bob's office is bigger <laughs> than my office, yeah. and it's like, oh my goodness, it's just children. Everyone just plays at being grown up. Nobody's really grown up. Nobody really knows what that means. I guess that's the point so, of when she
2: says yeah. he's a grown up. Yeah, yeah. You
3: know, it's for for me. I think she's always teetering on the edge of being who she really wants to be, which is this much softer much more childlike much more honest person which is why it breaks my heart even more that she finally finds out who she is and that actually it's all the deception mm-hmm. and i worry about her going back into that into, into her life again and how does she get over this you know well, but yeah. that's going another way but well, it's this is it
0: i've, I've written down here is one of my questions uh does susan go home and have a very long shower <laughs> <laughs> um that's
3: or, a very good point or, uh,
0: but Again, we need to, at that point, steer it back to this magical thing and say, "Well, hang on, magic exists."
3: Yeah. Well, this is it. This is exactly it. This is this is where you can. It's okay. Mm. You know, because the Zoltar machine needs to be unplugged to work properly. Yeah. And you know, little things like that. If it had to be plugged in, I don't think I believe it quite so much. But it has to be pulled out. Yeah. And um, and the fact she believes in it so quickly, the fact that. Oh, of course you. Th- you know you're 13. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I've obviously we've stepped into some sort of sub reality where that kind of thing is accepted and okay.
0: Um, so I mean, while we're talking about magic, so Zoltar did did they pop back to it the next day and ask for the lottery numbers? Or... Yeah,
2: these are the these are the questions you're not supposed to ask, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> these are the like... I,
0: no, no, no. These are the questions. I'm just about to bang the table. Then. <laughs> these are the questions I'm asking, Andrew.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did they? I would have done. Uh, maybe, maybe. Big two. Like also, <laughs> what what, do, what does he tell his mum when he goes home? That's mm. the biggest question. When, when, yeah. Well, when we're talking about Big's dark side, that mm. that struck me this mm, time yeah. round. Mm. is His mum, if you look at it, if you just looked at it from his mum's story, it's an incredibly bleak story. It really is. And for me, one of the funniest scenes has always been that bit where he phones his mum and he has to sing that song to her. But that's only funny from Tom Hanks's side of the phone, isn't it? Yeah. And when you see her reaction and she's obviously thinking the worst. These men have got my child. What are they doing to him? What? It's quite heartbreaking, isn't it? It so, really uh, is.
3: It is strange the way they play the home side of it. It's, there's not enough to it. It's like this child's been kidnapped. And we know what happens in a community when a child is kidnapped. It's, it's absolute... You know pandemonium, and there's you know, and I'm sure this was still the case in the 80s. I don't think this is a really, really no. modern phenomenon. And it's like, you know, she's sat at the table doing something, looking quite calm. Surely she would be there with her husband, and they'd be going crazy, and, and there'd be police ready to pick up the phone in case it's the kidnapper. And I'm thinking, this is far too easy. But that's that's the adult me watching this film and picking it to pieces. You know, if you got into that, it would make it a much darker film.
2: Mm. Did much you also darker. think it was a little bit risky when he goes back to his old neighbourhood and, yes. <laughs> especially since he stands around staring at children playing? I
3: know. What's <laughs> 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 the innocence again? It's okay. Howard Shaw's music's playing over the top of yeah. it. It's okay. <laughs>
2: Okay. Also, interestingly, you just mentioned his dad there. His dad completely drops out of it, doesn't he? And we only see it from the mum's point of view. Yeah. Why do you think that is?
3: I have absolutely no idea. There was a huge amount filmed with uh, Billy's mum as well. Yeah. Totally cut. Totally well, cut.
2: Well, I've, I've seen that. It's on It's on my edition. Oh. Um, so have you seen Spurrier the extended edition. version? Yeah, yeah. Is and it, there, there is a lot with Billy's, with Billy's family. But I think that it doesn't quite ring true because... They sort of portray Billy as the kind of the rough around the edges kid from the wrong side of the tracks, yet he lives right next door to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't quite. Uh, yeah, it's quite well, streetwise, true. isn't
3: it, in comparison?
2: Oh, they, uh, uh, well, we're on Billy. I think I'd uh, say Jared Rushton, I think, is brilliant yeah. as Billy. And he's one of these people who. He was in like a little clutch of 80s films and then disappeared, doesn't oh. he? Yeah. Uh, and I think he was really good in all of them. Yeah, me Only too. I think shrunk the kids and overboard he was in, wasn't Yeah, he was great in overboard. But I think he, I think he's great in this. I think if you're going to be a kid acting against Tom Hanks, that's going to be quite intimidating. And I think their relationship is really well done.
3: Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Apparently with the whole um, silly string and the pizza and all of that, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was Tom Hanks and um, Jared Rushton. They put them in a, in a room with silly string and pizza and stuff and just have fun. And apparently it was Tom Hanks that really got carried away with the silly string. <laughs> but you can see that playfulness. It's lovely. It's so, so good.
0: I think next time I'm in one of the shops that sells things for a pound, I don't think I'm going to be walking past the silly
3: string. <laughs> put, put it that way. And you have to do the sneeze into your yeah, hand yeah, thing. Yeah, That's yeah. brilliant.
0: Yeah, with the, with
2: the green one, obviously. Oh, Yes.
3: Attention to detail.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did, did anyone else, when they first saw this, because obviously, well, Paul, you saw it a couple of days ago, but Rachel, you saw it when, when you were young. Did you used to think that that Ice Wizard game looked ace?
3: Yes. <laughs> Always I, wanted it. Always I wanted did. it.
2: And uh, when I was researching this, I found someone online has made a version <gasps> of it. All you get to oh do is guess. go out. All you have got to do is—it just shows you in working up. You just type throw thermal thermal pods oh. and you win. Oh, brilliant! Uh, that's but uh, but <laughs> I played it twice because the first time I lost.
3: <laughs> Did you hesitate?
2: Yeah, well, I had to take the trash out. So.
3: <laughs>
2: brilliant. Oh, one other thing about uh, about this that's interesting as well is that this—it so seems to be online. There's this mass delusion that there's this lost ending to Big where it shows the young Josh back at school and then a new girl called Susan turns up at his school and takes a seat and they look at each other. And uh, apparently there's another body swap comedy, one of the few that I haven't seen, that ends (laughs) similarly to that. But people are insistent that this exists and there's no way it exists. (laughs) If, If that was real it would have emerged by now. It would be on YouTube, it would be... Yeah. And people, there's even people interested oh, I had the video that had it on. If that existed, yeah. there's no way it, would, it wouldn't have come to light. And also, it would completely undermine the whole film yeah, if it, it ended would. like that. It'd be ridiculous. Well, I don't know, I was just about to say, I really like the sound of that. Oh, <laughs> it's
3: because you're romantic. <laughs>
0: mm, yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, OK, so one question remains. Um, how long do you think it's going to be before
2: I watch The Burbs? <laughs> <laughs> I would make it as long as possible, yeah. really. Really? Not
3: very yeah. good.
2: Not very good. No. It's
3: not all that good. We haven't mentioned home. something. I'm going to
2: do it tonight. When I get home.
3: But I need to mention, whenever I find out things like this, it's hilarious. Did you know that Big was a musical? Did you know they'd made Big into a musical? What, a stage musical? A stage musical. <laughs> In 1996, it was nominated for Tony Awards. Mm.
0: So, one more question remains <laughs> Would you go and see Big the Musical?
3: I really don't want to. I don't know why they've done it.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> do you put the bums on seats for it. I'm sure.
3: I'm... I don't. Well, it's not my bum on the seat, and I love musicals and I love big. <laughs> but that's like what?
2: <laughs> it's too much, isn't it? It
3: really is too much, and it's not Tom Hanks. You can't have big without Tom Hanks. It's just wrong.
2: Plus, the, it adding songs as well. Yeah, mm. no. There, there's maybe if there's a big show-stopping number called hand on bra action. <laughs>
0: <laughs> OK, so um, I did, you know, we know which way this is going to go. The end, we know which way the ending is going to go here. No surprises, I'm sure. But I've written it, so we're going to have to talk about it. Is it big <laughs> or flipping those those letters round? Is it gib? And yes, <laughs> yes, gib is a word. Uh, uh, OK. <laughs> I, looked, I looked it up. It means an internal wall, wall such as plasterboard. That's a gib. Oh. That's a gib right is it big or is it gib <laughs> it's big
3: it's massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good of course
0: it's big um so thank you thank you very much this is the first episode of of, of series six i think i forgot to mention that at the beginning so it's series six Yay! <laughs> series Yay. six a spoiler it's fantastic it's fantastic to be back fantastic to be back in the room uh, with all these people and of course our excellent producer johnny and we will leave you with the genial andy I can't believe you brought him up again. Golding.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Back when I was small, I used to wish that I was big and longed for when my chest hair would be more than just a sprig. But then I changed my fickle mind the second I got bigger and missed the six-week summer break and youthful sense of vigour. For adulthood comes with as many minuses as pluses. I get to drink in pubs but have to pay more to ride buses. Still, childhood's alluring skin hides downsides underneath. I wouldn't relive puberty and don't miss wobbly teeth. Adult responsibility can be a scary thing, but childhood's fluffy tail masks an unacknowledged sting. Through decades of fine-tuning, I'm pleased to say I've found, between these two extremes, there is a happy middle ground. That middle ground is where I choose to currently reside. I act like I'm grown up, but keep a child deep inside. And in this way, I keep at bay the adult heebie-jeebies, I have to mow the lawn sometimes, but I get to watch CBeebies.
0: You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Bunny. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher. If you enjoyed the show, please do tell your friends about us. Share links to the podcast or write us a nice review on iTunes, Five Stars Would help.
1: You. Race, like
0: Next time, i Spoiler. Following the release of the big screen adaptation, we'll be reading R.J. Palacio's children's novel, Wonder.
1: If I found a magic lamp and I could have one wish, I would wish that I had a normal face that no one ever noticed at all.
0: If you'd like to contact us, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk, find us on Twitter or Facebook, or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Simon Radio in the heart of the beautiful cathedral city of Lincoln.
1: I can't believe you brought up Golding.